Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. It is me here, Mabel Coughlin, in case you were ever wondering how to pronounce my last name, because often people say Coughlin, because that's how it's spelled, but we say Coughlin, so that's how it goes. Um, hi, welcome. It is a beautiful day here in upstate New York. Usually I do these podcasts while walking, but my son fell asleep in the stroller already in like 10 minutes, and so I decided just to sit here on this swing and see how long I can talk before he wakes up or I need to keep walking or something happens. So here I am under this amazing maple tree that's just starting to bud. You might be able to hear birds. Hear birds. Um, I'm using just like headphone microphones this time instead of our usual little walking microphone guy. So the quality might be a little different than what you're used to hearing. I honestly won't know until I listen back. So, welcome. Um, Things are blooming up here. It's really beautiful to watch. Just this past couple days, really, maybe a week, um, the leaves, the trees have started to get green leaves. Before that, they were still just in skeleton winter mode. But now the hills are starting to look like tiny hills covered in tufts of moss instead of winter hills. And it smells like spring. I'm sitting here um, on Sarah's family's farm, Flowering Sun Ecology Center, just looking at all the things growing. It's very exciting. Um, So today, I guess partly speaking of things growing, um, I've been putting it out there a little bit that I'm starting to offer postpartum cooking for local women. Um, And I think I just wanted to talk today about thinking of calling this podcast the the what's and wherefores of postpartum cooking. I've seen some, you know, threads on Instagram or whatever, people saying like, you know, right after you gave birth, what was your first food or like the first thing that you really wanted to eat? And the answer was often things like, like a hamburger or like a soda or some kind of sandwich. And um, I'm glad that people are getting nourishment right after birth. And from my studies, this is a pretty specific time that can be really, really supported with proper foods. So I'm going to go in a little bit today on what proper foods are and why and the basic like dominating qualities of the postpartum time that can be sort of balanced out with proper food. Um, So I guess first of all, I wanted to say that obviously like nutrition is better than no nutrition. You know, if you have an option between not eating because it's not the perfect Ayurvedic meal or whatever and eating something that's perhaps less than optimal, then you should you should eat food. <laughs> Especially in the postpartum time. I mean 
there's a lot to recover from there. People sometimes have an issue with the word recover because they're like, oh, well, birth isn't a disease, you know, you're not recovering from an illness, but it is absolutely a time of recovering, um, convalescing in some ways. I have an herbal teacher, uh, Tony Lemos from Blazing Star Herbal School in Massachusetts, um, and she taught us that the time of convalescence after an illness should be the same length as the illness was. So let's say you had like a three-day cold, you should take the next three days pretty easy and try to just like relax and rest and heal. And so if we apply that to the postpartum time, that means that that's like nine months of convalescing. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, for that whole nine months you eat nothing but kitchery and perfectly prepared grains or whatever. But I do think it's important just to remember that your body did a huge thing. It grew a tiny human, and now, if you know if you're breastfeeding, it's continuing to grow a tiny human, you know? Often it can be easy to be like, oh, well, I'm not pregnant anymore, I don't need to eat as much, but actually, you know, all the, the science guys, I don't have any studies off the top of my head, but even mainstream science says that you need even more calories after giving birth if you're breastfeeding than pregnancy which sometimes can feel like, what, how is that even possible? Like, I don't know how I could have possibly, how I could possibly get any more calories in, but just to keep that in mind. Um, and there are some cool facts, I forget, I don't know where to find them right now. Maybe I'll put some in the notes, but about like, you know, comparing the caloric needs of breastfeeding women to marathon runners or something. Saying like, breastfeeding uses as many calories as running this many miles per day, and it's really interesting for me. I mean, it's always a helpful reminder to me to put that into perspective. Like, okay, even if I'm like not super physically active in my day, still as a breastfeeding mama, I need a lot of extra calories. And it's, I don't feel like I, hmm. it's not like an excuse, but it definitely feels good to remind myself that I have that permission. Okay, so that's the first thing I wanted to say. Eat a lot, eat enough. Um, specifically protein and fat can be really helpful in the postpartum time. Again, with healing all of your tissues, with helping to bring your body back together after the immense process that is birth and that is pregnancy, and then with breastfeeding, with making milk, and with, you know, just like a lot of healing that needs to be done on all levels. Um, so in Ayurveda, they say that the sacred window this like immediate postpartum time is 40 days or 42 days pardon um and that's how long in ayurvedic tradition that it takes for something to make its way through all of the layers of tissues so like i don't have it pulled up right now but let's say you start to to really nourish yourself let's say out of pregnancy you just decide to like start a new diet and to really focusing on nourishing yourself it's going to take 42 days for that nourishment to, I don't want to say penetrate, but to like make its way all the way through your body to nourish all the levels of tissue. And so in the postpartum time, there's that 42 days to, to nourish and heal all of the levels of your tissues. And this is really important also because again, you're making milk, you're not just healing, you're continuing to produce, you're continuing to need these, this extra nourishment. So, postpartum food tip number one, eat enough food. 
And I remember, you know, being pregnant, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. I'm eating so much food. And then the first couple of days postpartum, someone would bring me a bowl of food and I'd be like, whoa, that is a lot of soup or stew or whatever. I don't think I can eat all that much. And then sure enough, I ate it all and I was like, you know what? I think I might still be hungry. So don't just really listen to what your body is needing, even if it seems perhaps excessive, especially, you know, being part of a culture that women are not supposed to be excessive. We're supposed to be very restrained. We're supposed to not take up that much space, not eat that much food, you know, have a smaller plate in general. But this is not the time to think about losing baby weight or, you know, getting your body back. That's a whole other rant. There is no back. There is only forward. (laughs) So eat what your body is asking you to eat. Eat enough. Eat well. Um, Again, the fats are really important in both healing your tissues and making milk. Um, And the protein is as well. And this is also important in helping to regulate and sort of balance and help your hormones find their way back to well I said back again find their way forward to whatever the new normal is postpartum in order for your liver to function really well to help clear out like extra pregnancy hormones it needs enough protein to function so those are some sort of grand scale macronutrient things to focus on Um, I think I wanted to move on now to why this is important from like sort of more of an energetic perspective so in ayurveda we say that in postpartum it's really easy for vata to become imbalanced and vata is this it's called a dosha i'm sure many of you have heard of it it's one of the three doshas and vata is sort of the elements of air ether wind so some of the qualities it's very dry so for me i'm in general regardless of being postpartum or not, um, and overall a slightly more vata person, and I often have pretty dry skin. Um, It's very light, so it's not dense, it's not heavy. Um, It's easy, it's mobile, so like full of movement. You know, think of like the wind. These are all qualities of the wind. And this um, dosha is just sort of embodying all of these qualities. Um, It's cold. Again, me being a vata person, I often have colder fingers and toes. It's rough, um, and you can think of that in relation to the physical body as, I mean, you can think of it in relation to the digestion, or again, the skin, maybe the skin is a little rougher, but also on more of an energetic level, like a super vata person, whether it's because they're super imbalanced in a vata way, or that's just, you know, their orientation, that's the way that their body is, they're a more vata person, they may not be as smooth they may not seem as like uh, I guess just smooth is the opposite of it Um, and so in the postpartum time well first let's go back to pregnancy so pregnancy your body has all this extra heat all this extra moisture there's a baby in your belly this is all things that are in some ways balancing out vata you know there's water there's heat And then, with the birth of the baby, there's all of a sudden this big empty space inside of you, inside of your uterus, that used to be full of water, full of life. It is now empty. And so almost every postpartum tradition around the world puts big emphasis on keeping your womb warm. Like in the traditional Chinese lying-in period, um, I forget what it's called, but it's 40 days long. And 
traditionally you're not supposed to take a shower or like get your hair wet because if you get your hair wet and then get in the wind that cold and that wind can imbalance you in those ways um so you know I wasn't that extreme I definitely showered in my postpartum time but I think that I just wanted to point out that just because this from my basis of postpartum care is coming from an Ayurvedic perspective almost all of this is universally understood knowledge in traditional cultures this is not specific to Ayurveda. They just have different words and different ways of explaining it. Um, okay, so anyways, a baby is born, there's a big empty space, which means that there's the possibility of that space being full of wind or of vata energy. And that would be imbalancing in the postpartum time. So things that we can do that are not food, we can keep your womb warm, wear socks, keep, you can like wrap something. Um, around your belly, just to sort of keep that energy in and keep the the more volatile. Um, I'm like sort of dancing while I do this, but it's harder to find the words. It's very, in some ways, it's a very somatic understanding. Um, but just keeping the wind energy sort of imbalanced, in balance in your body. Um, and the other thing is that after birth, your digestive fires, or what's called Agni in Ayurveda, are very low. Um, and so you need, the way I've heard it described, is that you need little sticks, like little pieces of kindling at first to start to stoke the fires. And then you can add slightly bigger sticks, and then maybe little pieces of wood. And then once you have the fire really going strong, then you can go back to maybe what you used to eat, which is just like putting big, heavy logs on the fire, if that's what works for your constitution in general. Um, but imagine you have this little tiny fire that's like just sort of struggling to to regain its footing and you put a big log on top, the fire is just going to completely go out. And so it's really important to take care of those digestive fires and to stoke them and to strengthen them. Um, because that ability of being able to digest affects your body on so many levels. It's first of all both like assimilation of nutrients for your physical body but then also you're digesting so much more than food in this postpartum period. You're digesting your birth experience. You're digesting your transition to mother or to mother of more. It's not just the physical digestion that needs to be tended to. So this, I think, brings me to some of the most important qualities of postpartum food. Um, and again, this is universal knowledge. This is coming from sort of an Ayurvedic lens. But you can look in, I've been reading a little bit about like Moroccan traditional postpartum care and you can look at uh, the book The First 40 Days by Hong O oh, and she talks about the same thing from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective. Um, there's a lot written about traditional postpartum practices in Mexico and Guatemala and South America and it's all very similar, like shockingly similar. Like wow, I guess these are just universal truths. So, some important principles of postpartum food. The first is that it's easy to digest. Like I was saying, with this sort of lower, slower digestive fire, you need to bring it back up. So what does this exactly look like? This can be things like if you're going to make a grain in the beginning, make it more of a grain soup. Make things that are Again, counteracting to the qualities of vata. So you don't want food that's rough. Like, for example, if you make rice, you don't want rice that feels rough. You want it to be 
well-soaked. You want it to be really well-cooked. You want it to be more like a porridge or like a rice stew. Um, there's the dish congee, which is sort of, I guess it's a little bit like a often savory rice pudding or a rice, can't even think of the word. It's like rice mush, basically. <laughs> and so you can do that with any grain. We've done that with in the postpartum women that we've cooked for here with barley for our Polish friends who are really into that or quinoa, although quinoa is typically a little bit more difficult to digest, so I would save that for the second or third week postpartum. Um, and so the same goes, so that's for grains, the same goes with legumes, for example. Um, often a traditional Ayurvedic postpartum dish is kitchari, which is a combination of rice and uh, yellow mungal. Side note, don't use green mung beans. Those are, I mean, for me, they're pretty much impossible to digest regardless of where I am in my childbearing journey, but specifically postpartum, they're really difficult to digest. So you want to look for the split yellow mung doll, which can be more difficult to find, but it is so much easier to digest and feels really delicious. My favorite dish postpartum, I think, was asparagus kitchari. I could have eaten that every day for a couple weeks, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so legumes, well-soaked, really well-cooked. And, mm, no, I think I'll stick with this and I'll get into this other topic at the end. Um, so things like broths can be really healing and really nourishing. People make whatever bone broths or a meat stock or there's a lot of traditional Chinese recipes that are based on like a fish stock. And I've honestly never made that and never tried it. I don't know how it is, but... Just letting you know what's traditional out there. Um, so other things, let's get back to the topic of foods that are easy to digest. Um, another way you can think of avoiding roughness in your food is with vegetables. Like you wouldn't want to eat a raw apple necessarily or carrots that are pretty crunchy. You can, you can feel that quality of roughness in it. Like even just with your fingers, you can say this is not smooth. Um, and so any vegetables should be really well cooked, ideally. Um, another one of my favorite sweet postpartum recipes was dried stewed fruits. Um, and you could do this with fresh fruit as well, but often I would find, I would have like sometimes dates, sometimes figs, sometimes prunes, although prunes are best to avoid until after your postpartum bleeding has gone down. Um, but anything. I found dried blueberries once that made like stewed dried blueberries. So whatever the fruit is, you just add some water to it and just simmer it for however long it needs to be super mushy and just like fall apart in your mouth. And then you can get, you can add some digestive spices. So this is another part of easy to digest. Having spices that really help to, again, to stoke these digestive fires. And so these spices can be totally complementary to whatever kind of food that is that you're used to using. Like in Ayurveda, we might use cinnamon, cumin, um, you know, those sorts of warming, more Indian spices. But if that's not your jam, like my partner's just not really into Indian food <laughs> in that way. Um, if you were someone perhaps with Italian heritage who was used to that kind of food, you could use, they're called carminative herbs, which are herbs that help with digestion. From that culture so that would be like oregano sage thyme almost every culture has its own subset of herbs that are specific to assisting digestion 
And it's funny, oftentimes people don't even think of these as as herbs. They don't think of them as medicine. They're just like seasoning for your food. But that seasoning can definitely have an effect on how well you digest something, how well you assimilate those nutrients, and how you feel afterwards. Um, so yeah, back to stewed fruits. Like I found that was my favorite with maybe a couple of cloves and some cinnamon. Um, I loved cardamom in the postpartum time. That's a really great one. And so making sure that your foods are well spiced, but not necessarily spicy. This isn't the time to be like dousing everything with hot sauce. That could imbalance you in a different way, but just making sure that things are well spiced to help stoke these fires. Um, this leads into another principle of postpartum food, which is warming. And so again, foods that have these spices are warming to your digestive system. And vata being a very cold energy, this helps to balance that out or to, to keep you from becoming imbalanced in this way. So what does warming mean? Warming, both first of all, warm in temperature. Um, from what I have learned, it's best to avoid cold foods especially in the initial postpartum, but ideally for as long as feels good to your body. Um, so, which is definitely hard. Like if you give birth here in the summertime, I don't know how long I could eat warm soups and stews for. But um, warm food as much as possible, warm rice puddings, warm drinks. Uh, there's this really amazing recipe for a warm almond date smoothie. And so you can make things warm that you wouldn't necessarily think of. You could have a regular like fruit smoothie, but warm it up or serve it in a bowl, sort of like a fruit soup. Um, and again, this warming is, again, both important for the digestion, but also for warming up your whole body um, because of this possibility of coldness in the postpartum time. And that's something that's really important from the Chinese culture is avoiding getting coldness in your womb. And so warming, warm foods help with that. Um, keeping your body warm in all other ways is also important, not related to food, but like I mentioned, wearing socks, making sure that the room is warm enough. I'm not usually like huge on heat in the winter. I don't know, <laughs> my mom was a big believer of like, if it's cold, put another sweater on. So that's just sort of ingrained in me. But when I was postpartum, it was January and we lived in this pretty small room and that was the time for me when I was like, I don't really care how much electricity this uses. I'm going to keep this room very warm, like warm enough that my son and I can pretty much just be naked all day. And that was both amazing for the, the bonding possibilities there of just like being skin on skin with your newborn all day and in keeping my body warm as it healed and as it brought, brought itself back together. Uh, I feel like I was going to go somewhere else without warmth, but I forget. Oh yeah, I was going to say that if you are eating a lot of cold foods or if you are often cold in the postpartum time, your body needs to divert energy away from healing and towards warming yourself up. So trying to conserve that energy as much as possible by keeping yourself warm is fantastic practice. All right, so I got a little interrupted there. We had a little visitor and my son woke up, so now we're back to walking. Um, it might be a little more windy. I don't know. We'll have to see. And you might hear him at some point in the background. <laughs> um, so I don't remember exactly where I was, but I wanted to talk a little bit about this whole freezer meal thing. Um, and I want to preface it again with food is better than no food. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And a lot of people don't have the support systems that would be traditionally in place in sort of a village postpartum care system. Um, but in Ayurveda, they say that frozen or even leftover foods don't have as much, uh, you could call it vitality or life force. And again, they're a little harder to digest than fresh cooked food. Um, so ideally in the postpartum time, you would have fresh cooked food as much as possible. And I totally understand that this is not accessible to everyone, but I would definitely encourage you to, you know, in your pregnancy, make this a priority to try to plan out, to recruit help, to to figure out what you need and how you can make that happen. Um, so maybe that looks like making a meal train with your friends. There's this really beautiful um, book and sort of a program, I guess you could call it, um, called Seven Sisters. And the idea is, you know, most people probably have seven women that they feel comfortable with that they could call on for support. Um, and just have one woman who's like on call for each day. So someone's Monday, someone's Tuesday. Um, and those people can come over and help you with housework, help you with whatever. But I feel like one of the most important things is helping you with food because you do not want to be three days postpartum and not have anything to eat. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, refrigerated or frozen is not ideal and it's better than nothing, absolutely. Um, my midwifery teacher, Marin, I think it might have just been with her last baby, 10 of 10, <laughs> that she decided to sort of follow this principle and see if she could only eat fresh cooked food. And she said it made a huge difference. Um, with the other ones, it was maybe, you know, she had more frozen things she'd prepared ahead of time, put in the freezer, and it wasn't bad, but she could definitely see how it was less than optimal. Um, so just a little encouragement to try to have fresh cooked food when possible. And I just want to say that all of this information is here to support you and to empower you and to help you to create the experience that you need in your postpartum time. None of it is shaming or saying, oh, if you can't do this, everything's going to be ruined forever, but just encouragement to set things up the way that you need them to be. I saw something recently about, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the amount that women spend on weddings or families spend on their weddings compared to the amount that people spend on birth. And I feel like for me, this postpartum time, I mean, it's such a vital, it's such a time, it's a time when so much support is needed and it's often underlooked. And so for me, you know, I've never been huge on weddings, but I would much rather, for example, go into debt for proper postpartum support than a wedding. Um, so just something to think about. How can you find the resources that you need for this time, whether those are monetary, whether those are asking friends for support? And I get that that's hard. I actually have a whole other episode. I don't remember which one it is, but it's a couple back um, on why it's often so challenging for women to ask for support in this postpartum time and why it's so necessary. Um, so I just think this is a really important time to sort of to gather your resources around to support yourself in this transition so that you can be there fully for your baby and not worried about, oh, am I going to eat today? Am I going to, you know, just be buried in dirty laundry forever? But to know that you have certain systems in place to help you out. Okay, that was sort of a tangent. Where was I? Oh, I was talking about frozen food. 
Um, but I think one amazing thing that you can do that will help out yourself, and if anyone's helping you to cook, is to make some broth in advance. <coughs> so, you know, whatever kind of broth that you're into, adding some nice herbs, maybe some reishi or some astragalus for some immune support, some carminative herbs like we talked about, maybe some parsley or some nettles for minerals. I'm just making this really beautiful broth. You can make a huge batch of it. And my favorite thing to do actually is to freeze it in muffin trays so that it's in little like one cup servings and then you can take them out of the muffin trays and put them in a plastic bag in the freezer. And that way it's easy to thaw just the amount that you want. And broth is both awesome to have as a base for other soups and stews, stews, or just to sip on for those extra minerals and some some extra nourishment in between meals. Um, I like to have this broth with a little bit of salt, sometimes some fresh herbs if we had, and a little spoon of ghee. That was a really great little snack. Um, okay, so frozen broth, asking for help. Meal trains. I wanted to say something about meal trains because often people think, oh, I'm going to cook someone some food, I'm going to you know, like make this big casserole or something, or lasagna. And again, it's amazing when you have friends that want to support you. And I think it's also really great if you can help educate them before you have your baby. Maybe something out like saying, hey, I'm interested in doing a meal train. Um, these are some principles of food that are really important to me. Or you could even send them, say, like, these are some recipes that I would suggest, or here's some places where you can read a little more about this. Again, the first 40 days is a great um, option. It has both principles of the postpartum time and some recipes. There's a couple other postpartum cookbooks. I think one's called Newborn Mothers. Um, I'll link some more in the show notes. Um, so you could even send your friends a cookbook, say, look... This is like the kind of thing that I want to to be fed in this time. And I know that it can be difficult to ask for exactly what you want. And I think there's no better time to practice that. Okay. Um, I put together a sample meal plan as part of homework for a course in the Center for Sacred Window Studies. And it was for, I think, three weeks maybe of your postpartum time. And I made it like with my own, um, with like my own body's balance in mind, knowing the things that, both the things that I like and the things that support my physiology. Um, and at first, when I made it, I was like, this feels kind of repetitive. Like I have the same dish two days in a week, and like I can't think of anything else to make for breakfast except this one thing, mostly in the first week. But then actually, I had this amazing team to support me postpartum and they cooked what I put on this sort of schedule and I loved it I honestly felt like I could have eaten rice pudding for breakfast every day for two weeks I could have had asparagus kitchery for lunch and dinner every day for two weeks and so I know it definitely sounds a little monotonous or intimidating but I think that in the postpartum time you are so 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 sensitive which means that it can be easier to really listen to what your body is asking for. And once you start feeding your body foods that support the physiological, emotional, energetic process that you're going through, 
your body recognizes that and is like, oh, right, this is what I need. Give me more of that, please. <laughs> and I think part of it is also about discipline. Like, for some people, maybe you know that, for example, uh, we had a friend who's really into juice. And so the first couple weeks postpartum, our friend brought over some, like, fresh-pressed, you know, green juice, apples, celery, whatever, with some ginger to add some warming spices. And she really enjoyed it at the time. And then looking back at her postpartum time, she saw that, wow, not following these principles sort of messed up my digestion. Because again, this juice is raw. It's rough in some ways, even if it doesn't really make sense. You know, how can a liquid be rough? But it's not balancing of vata, and it's not the proper food for building up your digestive fire. And so, yes, part of it is listening to your body, and part of it might be a discipline for some people saying like I just really want to eat whatever like a hamburger so many people in this what did you want right after birth thread said they wanted like a McDonald's hamburger but you know this will not be the most supportive food to my physiology right now so what else can I ask for or can I have that will support these cravings and make me feel satiated and happy with what I'm eating but might be more easeful to digest and to extract all the nutrients from for my body. Owen just said, yeah. So he agrees. Um, and I think that there are ways you can take foods that you usually eat that are maybe not following these principles and just change them a little bit to make it easier. So let me think of an example. Um, so let's say this hamburger example. There's this amazing recipe in this postpartum cookbook um, by this woman named Nicole who's on Instagram at the seed of joy with an underscore at the end. Um, and her postpartum cookbook is super simple, super beautiful, and she has a recipe called the soup. And I think the story around it is that this was what someone brought for her after one of her babies in her postpartum time. And now it's one of the first soups that she makes for women when she supports them in their postpartum time. And it's a lot of root vegetables, which are, again, very grounding. Actually, I don't know if we got into the grounding yet. We'll do that next. Um, it's a lot of root vegetables, a lot of ghee, so really good fats, and then some really well-cooked ground beef. So that could be, I mean, I know it's not exactly a substitute, but just thinking of ways that you can... Ways that you can satisfy... I guess in some ways, both your body and your mind, if that makes sense. Okay, so I realized that we forgot to talk about the grounding aspect of these foods. So again, with the vata principle being airy, being full of movement, being like the wind, grounding is really important in the postpartum time. And also, if you think about it after, after like opening up to the cosmos to give birth, you know, there's this really cute saying about in birth, women fly up to the stars and receive their babies and bring them back to earth or whatever. And so this coming back to earth in postpartum... Whoa, branch just fell from a tree and it scared me a little bit. Um, this coming back to earth is really important to support. And not just coming back to earth, but coming back to earth as a totally different person with a different orientation to your life, if that makes sense. Like, you're not coming back as the person you were before you had this baby. And so this grounding principle is really important. And again, things that are 
more dense in a way and less mobile and light can be really helpful. Things like root vegetables, like if you think of the energetics of a plant, of a, what's a good example? I just will go with carrots because some people eat carrot tops. Like the carrot, the root, the carrot itself is in the ground. It's literally grounded. It's not moving anywhere. It's sucking up all the good nutrients from the soil. And that's the kind of energy that you want to be putting in your body. As opposed to the carrot tops that are constantly in motion, they're waving around in the sun, they're interacting with any person that walks past, any animals, they're just getting a lot more stimulation. And that's not so much the vibe of the postpartum time. It's more underground, in a cave, less movement, warmth, darkness. So thinking about foods from that energetic lens can be really helpful, like where did this food come from? What environment was it raised in? Um, and like, what are the energetics that it contains? All right, another big, perhaps one of the most important parts of postpartum food um, is that it's cooked with love and good intentions. And that sounds a little like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> but I think it's so important. And it's, again, with this sensitivity in the postpartum time, it's really easy to feel. And if someone is cooking for you and they're having a bad day or they're like resentful of like, oh, I don't want to do this right now. I don't want to cook for this person. I have other things to do or whatever. They're like going through their own stuff. That energy will be put into the food, whether they're conscious of it or not. And so if you are someone who's cooking for a postpartum moment, just try to be really aware of that and making food with intentions and love and care and that will be well received that will be received that will be felt by the postpartum woman I mentioned maybe in the episode that we did about my own postpartum time that my friend uh, was sort of recently post-covid and didn't have his sense of smell or taste back yet and he made me this lentily stew that was just like so overly spiced I definitely couldn't eat it, but I took a couple of bites, you know, to try it out at first. I was like, I can really feel, I feel really grateful for the energy that he put into this food, for the effort, for the love and care. And so I will, I will like let that nourish me. And you know, I ate other food as well, but I could take that from the food that he made without actually eating that food because it was a little unpleasant. Um, so, this mean, what does this mean for a postpartum person? Because you can't really control how people are feeling when they're cooking to you. I think that communicating that can be really important. Like when you're talking to people who might do a meal train for you saying, hey, this is a value of mine. This is something that I know that will make a difference. And so just be mindful of that. It's not like everybody has to be super happy all the time or else you can't feed me. But just try to put your stuff aside when you're working on this food. And I mean, that's obviously a great practice for cooking for anyone because your energy is always mixed up in that food. But specifically in this super sensitive time, it's important. Um, and another thing is that often... 
So our friend Agata is the master at this, but often postpartum food can start to seem a little bland and boring, like, oh boy, another bowl of mush. And so really adding things that bring beauty to it, like a little artistic dollop of yogurt on top of your kitchery or some nicely sprinkled toasted uh, pumpkin seeds. Or like there's this one recipe for a cranberry porridge, and it's just so nice to have that sort of color therapy in as well. So it's not just the nutrients, it's not just whatever the proteins, the fats, the vitamins, the minerals. It's also the energy of the food and the color of the food and the vibrancy of it. Um, there's this recipe for like these little, what is it, like pistachio, or no, sorry, cashew and goji berry and date balls. And they're super yummy, but you know, if you just blend up cashews and goji berries and roll them into balls, they look a little like exactly what you'd expect. Um, and our friend Agata has these cute little molds, and so she made me these little heart-shaped sweets. And I could just feel the care that she put into it, and I was so appreciative of that extra step to make things beautiful. And I think that's often underlooked. Overlooked? Overlooked, not underlooked. Um, in life in general, and especially in this postpartum time, like there's so many things that it feels like really important to get done. Like, you have to eat, you have to feed the baby, you have to make sure you have diapers, whatever. You have to find some way to get clothes clean every so often. And it can be easy to overlook these more simpler aspects of the postpartum time that can really bring a lot of ease. Like, for me, I noticed one day I was feeling a little anxious, and this was like in my first week postpartum. Anxious and kind of just like, oh, I don't really want to be here, or like feel bothered and I couldn't quite explain it and that's the imbalancing of vata this like movement this mobility this roughness in feeling and I realized that what I really just needed was a clean room <laughs> so I like you know gathered the troops got my mother and my partner together and we took out the trash and straightened up the bookshelves and just put away excess things that I didn't want to be looking at because Ideally, you're in that room for two weeks or more, in your bed most of the time. So you want your views to be nice, to be relaxing, to be reminding you of what energy you want to be embodying in this postpartum time. So we like cleaned up and there's a bunch of congratulations cards that were on the window and it was really sweet, but it was just starting to feel like clutter for me. And then someone brought in some flowers like, I felt like a whole new person when the space had been reset. Or even simple things like, can you make your bed? Can someone else make your bed for you? Or in preparation for postpartum, do you have sheets that you really like to look at? That you're like, wow, I feel really cozy here in this room now, in this bed. Because you're going to be there for a long time. So you might as well make it really cozy. This is sort of getting off topic from food, but... It's a principle that obviously can be can be overlaid onto the postpartum food aspect as well. Oh, and another part of that could be even, like, what dishes do you eat out of? Do you have a mug that you especially love? Maybe it was your grandmother's and it reminds you of, you know, that, like, grandmother energy of being taken care of when you were little. Or 
Maybe you have a bowl that's like just the perfect shade of blue that reminds you of this time at the ocean. So find things in your space, in your life, in your food that bring you a lot of joy and comfort. And that's not necessarily going to... How do I put this? There's more... There's more to healing than just the physical aspect. Yes, the right macro and micronutrients will nourish your body, will help your body to heal itself. And there's so many more layers to it that also can be addressed and can be supported with beauty, with ease, with comfort and safety. All right, so I think that's all I wanted to say on that. I did want to get back to a little bit, sort of a timeline. So I put together this cookbook. Well, it's actually a compilation of a couple different cookbooks, a bunch of different recipes. And I laid it out by time period. So I have some recipes, some sort of breakfast recipes, some more dinner main dish recipes, some snacks, and some drinks that are appropriate for these different postpartum periods. And I separated it into one to three days, three to 10 days, 10 days to three weeks, and three to six weeks, I think, if I recall correctly. So you don't need to be eating just straight mush and ghee every day for six weeks. But the idea is that, you know, you can get a little more expansive and exploratory as you go on. And that maybe those first couple days is the time for really just practicing the discipline of I'm just going to eat super simple, super mushy, well-spiced, warm foods, and then maybe three to that next week, three to ten days. It can be similar, but you could start experimenting with different kinds of grains or different kinds of, like, roasts that are really well-cooked or adding in some more vegetables. And then that ten-day to three-week period is still, like, keeping it simple, keeping it warm, keeping it mushy, but maybe your rice doesn't have to be straight rice soup anymore. It can be more more like the rice that you're used to. Or maybe you can start adding in some, some leafy greens like kale or chard or... Or maybe adding in some fresh fruit as it feels good for your body. So none of this is fixed. None of it is saying this is what you need to eat at this time. But it's really important to listen to what you're needing, to how your body is feeling, to how you feel your digestion is handling everything. Um, with our with Sarah's third kid, I was making a lot of you know mushy, soupy things for her, and maybe about a week in, she's always been big on the eggs. So about a week in, she decided to open one of her quiches that she'd made. She'd made some frozen quiche in preparation for this postpartum time, and. She shared this before, so it's not. Um, this is not private information, but she's saying in the first like week or so, she was just having the best poops ever. You know, people are often a little scared of that first poop postpartum, um, and I think that with good hydration, getting plenty of fats, and eating really easy to digest food, it can be great. And I had that same experience. I was like, "Wow, this is amazing! Like these postpartum poops are the best." And then for Sarah, when she had quiche one day, the next day she's like, "You know what? That just..." It just wasn't as good. It wasn't working for me quite as well. And so it can be really easy to 
to tune into your body that way. Um, the, and your elimination is a really great tool for assessing how your digestion is. Um, so it can be, it can be simple. It doesn't have to be some grand protocol following every single rule, doing all these crazy recipes. Like, let it be really simple. Let it be really grounded, really nourishing. And let it be easeful. And if something happens that is less than ideal, or if you have a couple days where you're like, I don't know, this food is not really working for me, or if someone makes you something that's super well-intentioned and you really want to eat it, but it doesn't really fall within the suggested guidelines, like give yourself ease to do what you need to do, no matter what anybody else, especially including myself, says. So those are some of my thoughts on some basic principles of postpartum cooking. Um, honestly, I feel like the biggest takeaway that I wish I could impart to every woman is that it's really, really, really important to be fed in this time, to be fed well. So do what you can to make that happen. Reach out to friends. If you have the resources, reach out to professionals or to whatever. There's like meal, um, why can't I think of the word? Meal services, delivery services and stuff. Um, do whatever preparation you can or you want to do ahead of time in pregnancy. That's some great uh, direction for that end of pregnancy nesting energy to go towards. Maybe making some frozen soups. Um, but I feel like the most important thing is to ask for help in whatever capacity you feel like you need. And oftentimes it will be women who are having their second babies who would perhaps think of hiring um, a postpartum meal service because they did it the first time without it and they're like, whoa, that did not work. And now that I have experienced it this way, I know that I need more support in this period. So, I think that's all I have to say for now. I'm sure I'll be like, later, oh, there was this one other thing that I wanted to talk about that is so important, but, you know, everything in its time. This is what's coming through now. Um, I would definitely encourage you to check out the Center for Sacred Window Studies. That's where I studied um, postpartum care through this Ayurvedic lens. They have a conscious postpartum caregivers program which is amazing I did it twice once the second time when I was pregnant just not as much as a professional but more just to get myself back in that mode and preparing myself um, and honestly I feel like if women did half as much prep for postpartum as they did for birth that would be really good for the world um, you can also check out innate traditions that's the postpartum training that Sarah did um, the woman who runs it, Rochelle, is a powerhouse. She's super incredible um, and has some amazing work out there. She has a free webinar. I believe it's still live on, um, I forget what it's called, but it's like foods that mothers and families need to thrive. Like just the biological imperatives of birthing bodies. What do we need? What do our babies need to develop? <laughs> what do we need to be nourished? Um, and so she does, she has this talk with Carly Ray, 
and I will put a link to it in the show notes, but I don't know what it's called right now. Um, other resources, there's a couple of cookbooks that I mentioned, uh, The First 40 Days being one of them. Oh, The Fourth Trimester by Kimberly Ann Johnson is a really great book. Um, and yeah, just, just educate yourself. Figure out what you need in that time. And like I said before, yes, there's plenty of studying to be done, and it's great to learn about the different traditions and the different practices. And I think that if every woman were to sit down and really feel into it, she would figure out like pretty exactly what it is that she will need in that time. So don't be afraid to ask for that. And don't forget to nourish yourself, regardless of if you're postpartum or not. As mamas, it's so important that we are nourishing ourselves as we bring little humans onto this earth and grow little humans on this earth. So that's the end of my spiel for today. Um, If you are local and interested in chatting more about this postpartum cooking service, I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, You can find a link on our website to a page with a little more information, or you can just reach out to me and we can talk. And we also have our monthly prenatal and mother circles. Those are, let's see, the prenatal circle is the last Wednesday of every month, and the mother circle is the second Wednesday of every month in Kingston, New York. Uh, We'd love to see you there. It's been just such a nourishing container there's that word nourishment again, um, to come together with local women, local mamas, local people who are hoping to be mamas soon, to just connect and to take that space to, to be, uh, I can't even quite explain where the magic happens, but to take that space to just like, f- to feel pregnant, to be in that space, to say, I am having a baby, I am growing a baby, And I'm going to step out of my normal life for a minute to acknowledge that and to be acknowledged by this amazing group of women. Um, We have another couple events in the pipeline coming through. Some of them are, actually none of them, are finalized in their details. So you'll just have to keep an eye out. You can follow us on Instagram at Catskills Birth Collective um, or you can find it on our website catskillsbirth.org. I am feeling pretty inspired and creatively recently to be facilitating community here, to be creating events, to bring women together and to educate women around this postpartum time, around birth, around all of this, around this amazing rite of passage. So stay tuned. Um, If you have any thoughts on topics that you would like to see another podcast episode or guests that you'd like to see on this podcast I know it's just been me blabbering for a while so if you want to see someone else let me know um again you can reach out through our website through Instagram or you can leave a review that would be awesome if you would leave a review on this podcast leave some stars it takes like two seconds and it's really great to get that feedback and to to have um more reviews boosts our What's the word I'm trying to think of? Viewability? That's not a word. Visibility. There we go. All right. So with that loss of words, I am out for the day. I hope that if you're listening to this at the time it's released, you are enjoying your beautiful spring. 
and I'm sitting right here next to this beautiful field of violets. So, enjoy your day, your evening, whatever, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.